well, I don't know if you saw, I talked about this on Twitter, like we lost a garbage can on Christmas Eve because it was like so crazy windy that our garbage can literally just disappeared and I was spending my Christmas morning driving up and down the block looking for our garbage can. Blew all the way to Madison Square Garden yeah. <laughs> where the garbage cans live. Welcome to Checking Out the Competition, New York Islanders. We are joined by friend of the pod. I've decided that you're front of the pod now. <laughs> front of the pod, Dan Saracini from Lighthouse Hockey. Dan, how are you? I am well, and uh, I'm glad to be a friend of the pod, and I'm glad that the uh, playoff series that our two teams took part in did not uh, diminish my friendship <laughs> status with you and the pod and the, the website. Yeah, it's a good thing you're so likable because that was like a very unenjoyable time for me personally. <laughs> um, and I do want to talk about it a little bit, but before we do that, I just want to kind of talk about the Islanders offseason a little bit. You guys lost um, Devin Tays, which seemed like kind of a big deal to me. He was kind of a big part of your defense. How has that been going? Do you miss him or has that someone else stepped up or how's the defense look without him? Well, right now, nothing is going. If you watched uh, or saw the scores from the last couple of nights uh, against the Devils and Flyers, um, as far as Taves goes, uh, it's a complicated thing. So. You know, Taves is a really, really good player, and he came up from the Islanders. He's from Quinnipiac, uh, you know, was drafted really low and, and ended up being really, really good. And in fact, the sort of turnaround point under Barry Trotz uh, has been for this whole time like this Christmas game or somewhere around Christmas where he was called in to play for an injured Thomas Hickey. And from that point on, the Islanders looked like, you know, the Islanders you guys have come to know over the last couple of years. And and he was really, Taves was really one of the catalysts for that. Um, he was traded. And it's funny if you go back and, and listen to like Lou Lamorello's call at that time, and even some, some stuff he said afterwards, he did not want to trade Devon Taves. Like he didn't go out being like, I'm going to get rid of this guy for two two second round picks. Like it wasn't about that. The problem was that their salary cap situation is a bit of a mess. It's kind of awful. They had a bunch of other dudes to sign Matt Barzell being among, you know, the highest among them. And so they didn't think that they would be able to re-sign Taves. And then they also had uh, Noah Dobson, who uh, I don't want to talk too much about because I have to be ready for when you ask me who to keep an eye on, you know, <laughs> at the end of the show. The Dobson's my guy, so I got to keep him in my pocket. But, uh, you know, I don't want to say Taves was expendable because he certainly wasn't, but their one strength sort of in terms of prospects is on defense. So they figured they could move him. They kept it would be easier to move than, let's say, Nick Letty, who's carrying a much larger contract. Uh, and then they wouldn't have to worry about re-signing him. And that's all fine and good. But, again, Devon Taves is a good player and – they have not been the same this season, to be quite honest. Is that about Devon Taves? I don't know. He's played pretty well for the Avalanche. Um, so I don't think it's really, you know, one for one conversion, but it, it hasn't been fun. And, you know, watching them kind of sink this week while the Avalanche is still pretty darn good has not been not been good. <laughs> oh my goodness. Sorry, my my cat, who is apparently like the star of this actual podcast, just decided to <laughs> knock something off of a table for absolutely yeah. no reason. So if you heard that, sorry. It was the cat. <laughs> I heard that. They do that. Ours does that. I mean, honestly, it's like as soon as I start doing anything <laughs> that requires audio recording, he's like, yeah. hello. Okay. <laughs> um, so, yeah, the, the defense. So the defense is what I think about when I think of the Islanders. Maybe not the, the defensemen specifically, but kind of like the system that the Islanders play. 
And taking it back to that playoff series a little bit, because I don't think any of us hated the Islanders quite as much as we do now before that series. Um, I kind of want to talk a little bit about what it is about the Islanders that seems to give the Flyers fits. Because last season there was quite a lot of it, even in the regular season. And then in the playoffs, obviously, it went very poorly for the Flyers. <laughs> a lot of Flyers fans seem to think, and I don't know how much you remember specifically about that series, because I know like time isn't real anymore and it could have been 10 years ago. Um, a lot of Flyers fans seem to think that the problem that the Flyers had with the Islanders was that the Islanders are bigger and the Islanders just sort of outmuscled them at every turn. And that's what cost the Flyers that series. I'm not sure if that's the case. Um, that's just like a little bit too like 1997 simplistic for me. (laughs) (laughs) What do you think it was generally that gave the Flyers so much trouble with the Islanders? Yeah, I remember those late 90s Flyers teams. And when you had Darian Hatcher and Chris Terry and every team looked smaller. So it was pretty yeah. easy to like, throw people <laughs> off of the puck all the time. Um, you know, it's funny. There is a, there is actually a, a tiny bit of truth to that. I saw on Twitter, I guess somebody puts out like the sort of height and weight charts every year. And the Islanders mm-hmm. apparently are like one of the heavier teams in the league. I don't think they're one of the taller ones, although they, they might be. They're definitely one of the older ones. Um, so I, I don't want to say that that's completely... Uh, you know, not on the table because I think it is. But I think really what it's about is the exact thing that, again, has kind of caused them a lot of trouble so far this season, which is that their their style. So, I mean, let's be honest. The Islanders are not a very talented hockey team. And mm-hmm. and nobody knows that better than Barry Trotz. Like he's, you know, mm-hmm. he knows very well the exact talent level of this team. They have some guys that can score, but they really generally don't outside of Barzell. There's really nobody that's sort of like exciting. And so the way they win games against the flyers or they did this against the capitals and they, they did this against the Panthers and pretty much everybody until the lightning was it's all about structure. It's all about, um, you know, getting, keeping the high danger chances to a minimum. And sometimes that involves kind of like, you know, muscling or, or whatever, or not get really giving up on, on a puck carrier most of the time. And it's when they, get kind of lazy. I don't want to say lazy, but like kind of off of that and, and guys start moving the puck around a lot more that they get into trouble. And so they're, they are known for muscling people off the puck and, and just taking the puck away. They're big on takeaways. Um, but I don't think it's, it's necessarily that they're that it's about size. It's more about sort of positioning and structure and knowing where the other guy is going to be. So I need to do this thing so that I can get it to this guy who knows how to do this thing to this other thing. And it's all, it's all part of the same structure. And that goes for all three zones. They're a lot more successful at it in the neutral and defensive zones than they are in the offensive zone. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, they like Adam Pellick is not an overly large guy, but he is one of their better, if not their best defensive defensemen. And he excels at just stopping somebody behind the net taking the calmly taking the puck away from them and then just skating it out or just passing it to another guy. And so I can see how over the course of seven games that could become quite frustrating uh, if you're on the other side of that. Um, But it's, it's really more of a structural thing than a, than a size thing. Uh, Although again, they are one of the heavier teams and to be honest, that kind of makes them just very slow (laughs) moving around. (laughs) But, uh, but it could come in handy, I guess too. So the Islanders aren't off to a super hot start. This season, only seven games in. So who knows what's going to happen, but they're three and four. Um, A couple of games where they gave up quite a lot of goals, 
six to Washington last night, um, five to the Islanders a couple of weeks ago. That, when I think of the Islanders, is is a bit on the abnormal side. And I kind of get it gets back to the defense a little bit. Have they been struggling this season? And were you expecting something more of a continuation of their play last season than we're kind of getting from them so far? Well, we definitely expected a continuation because this is essentially the same team except for the removal of Taves, really, and the insertion of of Dobson and then Ilya Sorokin, the other the other guy I have to mention later on. Uh, mm-hmm. There wasn't a whole lot of of changes at all, um, and so I think we can we expected a continuation, and what we expected, you know, we expected them to actually. Because if it's such a short season, you know, you, you kind of talk yourself into these things to be optimistic going into a season. And uh, we kind of thought, well, you know, they got the familiarity. They went on that long playoff run. This team has been together for so long. A lot of these guys have been here forever um, that that will be helpful in a short season because they already know each other. Nobody's got to get up to speed or anything. Uh, and they should be able to hit the ground running. And it, they started the season with a 4 nothing shutout of the Rangers. And it seemed like this has been this is great. Since then, it's been kind of up and down. They shut out the Devils. They shut out the Bruins, which never happens, and it almost never happens at home. The Islanders can't ever beat the Bruins at Nassau Coliseum ever. Um, and so there have been moments where they look like themselves, but last night in Washington, two nights ago in Washington, and then the night before in, in New Jersey, they just, again, it gets back to what I was saying before, like their their structure in that defensive zone has not been where it needs to be. Their commitment in the defensive zone has not been where it needs to be. And that's why they get into trouble. And, you know, it's funny going into that game against the Caps yesterday, they had only given up 11 goals in six games, which is sort of like not bad, mind boggling. right? <laughs> like, it's <laughs> like, OK, that's they should be way better than than, you know, three and three. But, you know, when you don't score. I, I guess that's what's going to happen. And then they were up three nothing in that game. They were cruising. Yeah. Their first period was all them. And it was awesome. And. Oliver Wallstrom had his first NHL goal off of some Caps guys back, and it looked like everything was coming up. Great. Okay, fine. We'll get a split. Whatever. Who cares? Um, and then in the, the second 10 minutes, the last 10 minutes of the second period, the wheels just came off. And all of a sudden, you started seeing these passes to nowhere and these kind of lazy dump-ins and clears that you know, were never getting past the, the blue line. And then before you know it, one guy scores. Then another guy scores. Then the game is tied. Then another guy scores. And then Chara scores the fifth goal, and everybody goes crazy on the bench like they just won the Stanley Cup. And it's like, <laughs> oh, this game, now it's over now. Like, there's this is it. It just went from being in cruise control to being over. So we did expect it. What we didn't expect for them was to just get so tired, look so tired and so gassed so quickly and and it's really you know if like I, I said this on twitter like if you watch that game and you if you told me that it was like the sixth game of a 10-day road trip and they were just gassed i'd be like yeah well i guess that's what it is you know when you've gone mm-hmm. through you know boston pittsburgh philly carolina like okay fine they're they're tired they need a couple of days off but they're seven games into the season they have three months off <laughs> it shouldn't be this way yeah but, you know the sezikis martin clutterbuck line that i'm sure everybody listening to this is Love so much. Uh, they in particular have just not been themselves, and it's really it's hurting the entire team all over them. And the second line with Josh Bailey, Brock Nelson, and Anthony Beauvillier, who's hurt now, just hasn't. They haven't been helping at all, and uh, it's really that that's the primary reason why they just they've been so sluggish so far this season. Yeah, I do want to talk about that fourth line later, <laughs> but um, you mentioned the scoring, which I know is a problem for mm-hmm. this team right now, and it. It looks to me like the power play is a bit of a problem 
as well. I think when I looked earlier this afternoon, it was 19th in the league right now um, as far as percentage that's wise. actually pretty good. I'm surprised. <laughs> yeah, you're surprised that's good. Well, the other day I was watching the Flyers game and they put up a graphic on the screen that said that the Flyers power play is 10th in the league. And I was like, what's happening <laughs> elsewhere? <laughs> because there's no way yeah. that the Flyers yeah. power play should be 10th. But um, yeah, what's up with the power play? What's going on there? It's it's never good. And this is a thing that goes back. This predates Trotz, and actually after his first year, they brought in uh, an assistant coach named Jim Hiller, who had worked with the Leafs, to, you know, run the power play. And, like, that's all fine and good, but they just, I don't know, they just can never get it done. And it's funny, like, my dad, my my parents are from Italy, and my dad watches sports, but he's not really, like, a sports fan. Like, he just watches them because it's not like a cop show or a game show, which is really (laughs) all my mom watches. And one thing that he's, he's never understood is how teams cannot score in the power play. Like every time we talk about a hockey game, he's like, eh, they got the power play. They don't score. I'm like, yeah, well, sometimes that happens. You know, nobody goes 100% on the power play, but something, there's something about them that is just very stagnant and you could almost see the wheels turning too much. Like, you, you know, you watch the caps power play or like the penguins power play. They just zip it around and move things around, and then boom, they get a goal. Like the Islanders, there's no zipping around. Everybody's thinking about where to go next, and you know, it's sort of like looking at okay, now where do I think they think that I'm going to go? Well, I'm going to go here, or maybe, and it just then before you know it, two minutes are over. They had a power play in that game against the Caps yesterday that was pre, you know, before the the whole collapse in the second period. That was just absolutely terrible. They couldn't even get into the zone. They and they weren't even didn't even look like they were trying. And it's like I don't know. They just I think it's gotten to the point where. It just freaks them out and they just, you know, they think too much. And the second unit is actually much more, much better. That's the one mm-hmm. with uh, uh, Pajot and again, Beauvillier when he's healthy, um, Nelson and Bailey. And that one tends to be a little bit better, but uh, it's just, I don't know. I, I don't, I can't put my finger on why it is. It just seems, you know, it's like you, you watch your team all the time and then you get used to them and then you watch some other team and you're like, how is this even possible? Like, how are these guys as much better at this than my team? I don't understand. You know, they're all playing the same league. Mm-hmm. They have to have video of this too. Somebody's at home. At, for somebody from the team is watching this. Why? Did, why aren't <laughs> they doing the same thing? But it's it's a sore point. And again, it's not like they don't have guys that can score. They just don't. It's just I don't understand. It's very strange. A cursed power play. That's weird. I don't know what yeah. that's like at all. <laughs> um. So I know you mentioned that the fourth line isn't playing very well. Um, for them, but it is in fact one of the best fourth lines in the league for sure. Um, Matt Martin, Sezikis, and Cal Clutterbuck. Um, one of the things I wanted to ask you about. So I'm going in just background. I'm going into this weekend <laughs> expecting the playoff series again. Like I know that the Islanders are struggling. But the Flyers are struggling too. And I'm kind of expecting that they're going to do again what they did in the playoffs. So that's where I am mentally. Mm -hmm. So given that that's the expectation, if that fourth line shows up the way that we're kind of used to them showing up before this season, how in the world do you get through them? Um, Well, sometimes they just let you go through them, (laughs) which is really (laughs) annoying. Um, it's yeah, (laughs) which is again, what's been happening lately. I I don't know. Like you just, the number one thing, see, what's funny is that like, 
you know, going into the series against the Flyers, I thought the Islanders were done. Like, because the Flyers are a team that when I think of them, I feel like they're a speedy team. Like, I see guys on that team that I know are pretty, pretty fast. Like, you know, guys like Voracek still have wheels and Couturier, I know he's hurt, but like those guys can skate. The Islanders don't really have, again, outside of Barzell, they don't really have those kinds of guys that have that kind of flat out speed. So that's the number one thing I would always say. But, um, you know, you just, when they're working, you just have to kind of fight fight them off and just not let them take the puck. But unfortunately, when they're working, they will not let you do that. And they will just take it from you. Um, you know, offensively, they can be disrupted quite easily. And in fact, that's, you know, when they're really at their peak, that's where their their real value comes in is that they just cycle all day long in the offensive zone. And I've seen it happen. Not this season, but I have seen it happen where they just, again, they, that same mentality that they take from the defensive zone, they bring it to the offensive zone. They just won't give up the puck, and they're smart about it. Um, you know, those guys are all older now. They're all, they've all had their share of hits. You know, I think Clutterbuck and Martin are like top five all time or whatever in NHL hits, and you know, they've been through a lot. They're all in the, I think Martin and Clutterbuck are definitely 30. I don't know if Sezikis is, if anything, he's just a little bit behind them. Um, so, you know, we're kind of always, this might be the beginning of the end. If you, if you're mm. sick of those guys, this might be the <laughs> beginning of the end for them because, you know, they've been through a lot. There's a lot of miles on those bodies and, and they've done a lot of hitting and, you know, I'm, I'm hoping as a person that is desperate for a win that they can refine and recapture that, that element that drives again, other fans crazy, but it hasn't happened this year so far. And, and if they can, it, it, they're hard to get past. I gotta be honest. Like it's when, when they're at their peak, they they are a fun group to watch again, if you're rooting for the Islanders, because uh, they're very unique. Like there's not a, I don't think most teams put half as much thought into their fourth line as the Islanders have. And of course, Martin just signed a four year contract extension, which is really That's a long time. It's a long time. It's not a lot of money, but it's a long time. And again, it's just another nail in that salary cap coffin. And, and look, I love Matt Martin. He's the Casey Zekas calls him the mayor of Long Island. He really is like, he's just, his wife is uh, <laughs> Sydney Esiason who's Boomer Esiason's daughter. And they're here. He lives here all year round. He loves it here. And you know, you love a guy who does that for your team, but man, four years is four years. That's too much. Like he could have signed a one-year contract. And then yeah. if he felt healthy, signed another one-year contract. I don't know why he didn't do that, but what are you going to do? It's cause, um, Lou Lamorello actually sucks. Uh, really it's a religion to... that I subscribe to. Not many <laughs> do, but I subscribe to it. And I have since like 1997. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's not new. Um, you mentioned Ilya Sorokin. He got sent down to the taxi squad yesterday. Is that just one of those like banking cap space? Yes. On yeah. paper moves. Okay. So he will He'll be the backup goaltender. Yeah. And he will definitely be. He'll definitely play this weekend for sure. Yeah, like yeah, there's yeah. no way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because I, I I mean, back to back games, you know you're gonna get both goaltenders. So I was just curious if it was I kind of figured it was just one of those on paper yeah. moves, but yeah. Um, so I know you wanted to talk about him a little bit. Mm. What's it like? Yeah. Um this, you know, again, like it like everything else this season, it hasn't really gone as we expected with him. We had heard so many stories about him coming over and being this great goalie in the KHL and he was his numbers there are spectacular his first NHL action was in relief of Simeon Varlamov who got hurt in warm-ups uh, Cal Clutterbuck hit him with a, a a puck in the jaw and took him out and so with 20 minutes notice Sorokin goes in and uh immediately gets bombed you get he lost that game five nothing 
Um, a couple of the goals couldn't really be faulted to him, but he was definitely not ready. Like he, you know, his angles were all kinds of weird. He's used to the bigger ice surface. His, his rebound control wasn't there. Um, then he gets his real first real start was against the Devils, and the Islanders get shut out in that game too. So they have yet to score a goal for this guy, which can make winning difficult, as you can imagine. It does. Goal. Yes. <laughs> um, he was better in that game. They they only lost two nothing to Scott Wedgwood, all NHL All Star Scott Wedgwood. Um, but uh, you know, there's still a bit of a rebound issue. And you know, I was saying on our podcast uh, to my friend Mike and I, like, um, this is kind of the pattern. So you know, everybody remembers Robin Leonard coming in, being a Masterton final, uh, you know, Vezina finalist for the Islanders a couple of years ago. It was about a month or so before he really kind of hit that stride. And it was it took a while for him to work with Mitch Korn and Piero Greco, who were the, the goaltending coaches, to really get to that level. And then from that point on, he was lights out. Simeon Varlamov last year, first month or so, yeah, it was all right. But, he, you know, it was still kind of like, eh, I feel like he could do use a little more work. And then eventually something just clicked and he was just lights out. And he's been until until yesterday uh, had been mostly lights out this season, too. So, uh, you know, the hope is still there. I mean, Sorokin's only 25. I'm not going to like throw him all over the over the side after two games. But uh, again, it's just <laughs> this is not what we expected. Maybe we expected too much is probably the case. But, uh, you know, we're all we're all hoping this guy uh, can come in and finally be that the Islanders, you know, the, the, the guy the Islanders haven't had a goalie you could just pencil in to start with since, I guess, Yarrow Halak. But even him, you know, he had his moments where it was just like, you know, not really great. And then before him, I think the last guy was probably Kelly Rudy that you could just pencil oh, in. Oh, boy. Like, yeah. <laughs> I guess probably Sallow in between those two. But, oh, like, yeah. you know, the, yeah. And then, you know, before them, it was Billy Smith. So, you know, there haven't been a whole lot of them. You know, whereas the Flyers go from, like, you know, kind of one one established guy to the other every, every couple of years. So, uh, yeah, we have not Do had they? that. So. <laughs> I, I guess not. Well, well now so, I, have. I mean, sort of. Yeah. Now we have a guy. Hopefully right. that's going to be the guy, but we'll see how that goes. <laughs> so we've, we've talked a lot about what's going wrong for mm. the Islanders so far. What is going right? Like, what is the thing that you say is going to be the the toughest for the Flyers in these two games? So their top line, which is the same top line as the playoff series, uh, Barzell between Everly and Lee has for all intents and purposes picked up where they left off. Lee uh, had a goal last night on the power play. Uh, he's got three this season. Uh, Everly is used, doing his thing where he's either the hottest guy in the ice or he can't buy a goal. <laughs> it's one or the other uh, for him. And Barzell is Barzell. Barzell actually seems to have really come into this season. He's got the new three-year contract. And he really seems to want to take that next step to being like that guy that everybody everybody watches and talks about. Um, you know, his skill set is so unique that I think it's take it's going to take a long time to finally get there. Because he's so fast, and then you know sometimes he gets into the zone before everybody else, and he just has to kind of like hold the puck and circle and find some space, and and sometimes he's just wheeling in between guys like they're not even there, you know. But that line has been very good. It's in fact the only line that's actually worked for the Islanders so far this season. Um, and then like I said, Dobson has been good, and um, JG Pajot too. Now Pajot's problem is that his wingers have been either the two kids who he had last night or guys like Ross Johnston and Leo Komarov, who, you know, you could argue probably shouldn't be on the ice in an NHL game anyway. Um, mm. he, Pajot himself has been fine. The the guys on his line have not been fine. So, uh, you know, they'll, they'll need to figure that out. But that's, those are the, the big things that are working. 
Um, you know, f- for the most part, again, Pelic has been what what he's supposed to be, um, and Dobson again has been very very good. Um, but yeah, that's not enough to carry a team, unfortunately, through a bunch of games in a, in an early even a short season like this. Okay, so tell me about this secret guy that you have in your back pocket. So, so Noah Dobson was drafted in the first round a couple of years ago. He and Oliver Wallstrom were both taken in the first round, I think seventh and ninth or something like that, maybe ninth and 11th. And, um, he's, he did everything you could possibly do in junior twice. In fact, he won two Memorial cups, set all kinds of records and stuff. And last year he was basically on the team because he was too young to go to the AHL and too good to go back to juniors. So they kept God, him on. That makes me so mad. I hate that. Anyway, I know. sorry. <laughs> it's just, no, it's stupid. It's stupid. Yeah. And, and, you know, I mean, I wish there was like, you know, a one, every team got like a one guy exception to be like, okay, now you can go to the AHL or whatever. Mm-hmm. But, but, you know, in a way, you know, he hasn't complained and he ended up getting playing time anyway because Adam Pellet got hurt. And then um, they paired him up in the bubble for a few games with uh, Andy Green, actually before the bubble with Andy Green, who was, you know, brought over from the devils at the deadline and uh they were great like you wouldn't think a 20 year old kid and a 38 year old guy would play that well together but for some reason it worked and uh he has been excellent in fact a lot of the skills that taves had uh, seem to be replicated by uh dobson he's learned to like keep the puck in the zone when he needs to and so jump in the play when he needs to and uh he had a couple of real neat plays where he just like keeps things in and then passes to somebody and it gets him a scoring chance. So he's been, he's probably the number one bright spot. Him and that first line have been the number one bright spots so far this season. He's very good. You know, he's still raw. I'm, I'm saying this now knowing full well that, you know, he's a 20 year old kid, so he can just totally fall flat on his face in one of these games and be like, (laughs) he's not that good. That happened in the second game against the Rangers uh, where nothing worked. He was particularly terrible, but it was his second game of the season and nobody was playing well. So it was a complete mess, but, um, but he's been great. So if anything, he's a huge upgrade. Also Kiefer Bellows. And again, Wallstrom, who I mentioned before, they finally got inserted into the lineup last night and they looked both very, very good. Um, they've both learned to play away from the puck, which is the most cliche thing in the world, but that's what the coaches want in turn, especially Barry Trotz. So, I mean, as long as they're not giving up scoring chances, <laughs> they're going to get uh, chances, hopefully. And that, that was the big thing with Bellows. Uh, and, but now he's, he's pretty tenacious on the puck and, and still gets scoring chances. So I'm hoping to see them still in the lineup, but you know, there's a total chance that both those guys could sit. And again, it could be Leo Komarov and uh, Ross Johnston and, and you know, I don't know who else, Andrew Ladd or whoever, somebody playing. Of course. Yeah. Why would you play the skilled kids when you can play? <laughs> An old guy, you know exactly what he's going to do, which is yeah, nice. <laughs> yeah. In Leo's case, it's take a third period of penalty. <laughs> so what? You know, NHL coaches. Right. So the last thing I'll ask you before we get to forced predictions: mm. How much longer do you expect this Barry Trotz magic to be able to continue? <laughs> this like witchcraft that's making this team win a lot of hockey games. That's a that's a great question, and. You know, I, I'm not going to say it hasn't crossed my mind because, I mean, let's let's be honest, like all coaches, you know, eventually do. I mean, even Barry Trotz has lost mm-hmm. two jobs now. You know, he was at one for 15 years, for God's sakes. Um, I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon. I think he and Lamorello are very much on the same page in terms of what they want out of the team. I, the problem is that, you know, last night's game, again, was a complete disaster. And, and he's already starting, you know, talking about what he tells the team behind closed doors we have no idea but like what he tells us is you know they got to look forward stay positive and you know he's like a like a 
a motivational speaker. Like I have a, literally a spreadsheet of I call the Tower of Trots, where it's just all like <laughs> motivational sayings of, of that he said that you know apply to real life. And sometimes I actually I actually use it for my daughter. Sometimes you know I'm like you know what you know who said that Barry Trotz. You know, <laughs> that. But um, it's, uh, so you know the players love him. He's 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 the face of the franchise right now. I know it's really Barzell because he's the player. But I mean, this team took on this guy's personality right from the jump. And mm-hmm. he, Lee, and Lamorello are definitely all on the same page. So I don't think there's anything like that. And he's got two more years on the contract after this. So I don't, I certainly don't think anything's going to happen before then. If anything, I, I would just give him a, a contract extension. But the problem is that, again, like I said before about the fourth line, you know, these, some of these guys are running out of gas. And the, he said too, Trot said, you know, no help is coming from the outside. So our group has to f- fix whatever the problem is. And he knows that, you know, some of these guys are going to need to be replaced and they can't do that because their salary cap situation is so tight. So mm-hmm. I don't worry about him so much as getting players that can play, can do what he wants. You know, I mean, yeah. he's had that for two seasons and it's worked out great. But now where do you go next? Like, who, who else can you bring in that's going to be that good? So I don't know. Yeah, it's it's super interesting because it does seem like Trotz is the kind of coach like we saw it in Philly with LaViolette, I think, that he had a system mm. that requires you to plug in the pieces that fit into it. And once you no longer have those pieces, LaViolette, for us, I think, wasn't really willing to change his approach and, as a result, got fired three seasons or three games into a season. So it's, it's going to be interesting, I think, to see if Trotz can take the pieces and build a system rather than have a system and plug the pieces in. Sometimes I think that's what coaches do. Like they have their system mm. and they, you know, the, the players have to fit into it rather than right. taking what they have and making a system. But anywho. Yeah. So two games back to back. What do you think is going to happen? Uh, not only do I think the flyers win both of these games. Oh my God. Not, not only do I think they'll both be shutouts, but oh I will tell you this. If the Islanders, Managed to take one point from these two games, I will eat my hat. I have a Flyers hat. I bought it at a garage sale a couple blocks away from me a few years ago. <laughs> I will eat that hat, or at least I will take a picture of me taking a bite out of that hat because it's probably not healthy to eat. I had no. no, I yeah, that would be bad. But I'm taking a page out of my former employer Stanley Stan Fischler's uh, book, and I will say I will eat my hat because I don't think the Islanders are gonna take either of these two games. I think they're going to build themselves into a very, very bad hole to start the season. And I don't think they're going to crawl out of it because I have seen no evidence proving that they can do this because these last two games, these last three games have really been kind of atrocious. So, so there you go. I don't know how many people pick the, your team to win when you Mm. do these things, but I just did. Is this some kind of like reverse jinx witchcraft that you're trying to do? Possibly. Okay. I'm not going to say it's worked in the past, but <laughs> it's, it's definitely something that I have thought about. Let's put it that way. So I don't know. We'll see. But I mean, I'm, I just, I'm heading into this weekend. If the Flyers can split, I'm going to like possibly throw a small parade down the street that I live on. You know, what's um, really funny is that like I, I follow you, obviously, and, and a lot of the BSH people and, and other Flyers fans. And I, I don't I watch the games on the Islanders games on, on my computer. So which is always like a couple of minutes behind. So I, I try and stay off Twitter during games. But last night's game was lost. So I was on there and I saw you guys and, and a bunch of others like complaining about how bad the game was and how awful it was. And when I looked, they were tied at one. And I was like, 
that's bad. Like <laughs> my team just gave up five goals in 10 minutes. Like that's bad. It was tied at one, one is not, I mean, okay, fine. It was the devils. And then they end up winning anyway. So I don't know. I just, I don't know. As bad as you think your team has been, I, I promise you it could get way worse. And that's my team. Right Flyers now. fans are an extremely extra group of people. <laughs> they don't know how to act. Honestly. I mean, like if you lose your, your number one center, arguably your best player, and you lose one of your top four defensemen, and you're playing crab hockey as a result, but you're still finding ways to win seven mm. games into the season. Like, in my mind, not so bad. You're holding I mean, on, right? Don't the Penguins do that every year? Like, what? isn't that basically Seriously? what the Penguins do every year? Like, goes, right. oh, my God, they lost this guy. Oh, and here they are in the Stanley Cup final again. Like, what? <laughs> right. Every year. Yeah, I mean, you know, <laughs> you know how yeah. they are. I, but I, yeah, I, okay, so so you're calling it both for the Flyers. I'm yeah. going to say that the Flyers are going to lose game one, win game two. I don't think I'm going to give scores this time. <laughs> jinx. No, I'm going to do it. I'm mm. going to say they're going to lose. They'll lose 3-2 in the first game, and they will win 4-1 to one in the second game. Yeah, I could see so, those. I could see those happening. Could happen. But, I think they're reasonable uh, expectations. So sure. We'll, yeah. <laughs> My, mine are unreasonable, probably. But, you know, I, I, I'm that game I watched last night is still very, very, very li- vivid in my mind right now. And I'm still mad about it. And I'm still mad about Tuesday's night's game, too, where they they had a, uh, they were tied with 30 seconds to go. And Leo Komarov is on the ice and he just watches as some some dude scores the game winner with 30 seconds oh. to go. And I was. Yeah. It's just I can't take him. I can't take him anymore. <laughs> really, seriously. But but we'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah, we will see. Know. All right, Dan. Thank you so much for doing this. As always, it was outstanding. Head on over to Layhouse Hockey. Check out what they do there. Check out Dan's podcast, which is very good because he's hilarious. Are you still doing the Golden Girls podcast? Mm, no, uh, it's still up there. People still listen to it. So yeah, check it out. That's Golden awesome. Girls Sports. Uh, yeah, people find it all the time. Every once in a while, I'll look and I'll be like, oh, thirty-five downloads from. Calumet City, Illinois. Like, what? <laughs> somebody, somebody found this. Okay, sure, why not? But yeah, if you like the Golden Girls and and you want to learn about all their sports references, you can check that out. It's actually funny because there's a whole bunch um, that I missed. Then sometimes I'm like, maybe I should just throw a couple episodes up there just to capture those. But then I'm like, ah, it's a lot of work. I don't feel like doing it. It's a lot of work. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Thanks, Dan. Thanks, Everyone, probably, no problem. This is a lot of fun. I love it. Yeah, right. always through the games. <laughs> Go Flyers. Hopefully Dan's predictions manifest and we'll all be happy by the end of the weekend. (laughs)